Merry Christmas and welcome to Encounter. Good to see you today. In fact, let's give the Lord a hand and just praise Emmanuel. God is with us today and we are so thankful for that. Well, every year I look forward to be able to say Merry Christmas. I don't know about you, but I look forward to it every year and it's legal after Thanksgiving. So I get to say it as much as I want now. And yes, Lindsay is right. There's two weeks left until Christmas Day. Can you believe it? It's coming fast. And just as a reminder for everyone, so on Christmas Sunday, which is when Christmas Day is this year, there are no worship services, but we're going all out on Christmas Eve, and so we have two services on Christmas Eve and one on Christmas Eve Eve, and we do invite friends and family and worship the Lord with all of our hearts, amen? So looking forward to that with you, but two weeks, uh, that is fast, and probably for some of you that brings a little bit of stress because uh, of all that needs to happen between now and then, and for others, maybe it brings just a sense of anticipation and wonder. How many are in the stress camp? I'm just curious out there, yeah? How many are in the wonder camp out there? See, I'm more on the anticipation and wonder camp because my wife, Amy, helps with so much of the Christmas shopping, so, I just, so she makes it easy for me. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I remember about last Christmas was uh, that, and I probably noticed this because one of my daughters just loves these, anything that has to do with a fox. She just loves anything that has to do with the fox. And I remember seeing this little article in the newspaper, and it was talking about China and Christmas last year, and how Shanghai, Disney Shanghai, had launched this new Disney character called Lena Bell, and they launched this little fluffy fox toy in September of 2021, and it became the rage all across China, and parents everywhere were trying to get their hands on these little fox Lena Bells, and Lena Bell's character basically goes like this, she's just this inquisitive creature, she's intelligent, and she loves me mysteries, but when she, you know, was able to be sold from Shanghai Disney, basically Disney sold out almost instantly because so many people across uh, China were trying to get their hands on one of these things, and so what basically happened was the people who did get a Lena Bell uh, for Christmas started selling them on alternate websites, and there was all of this stuff going on all around China, and this little $30 little fox toy started going for a little couple hundred dollars for each one, and even more than that sometimes. And Disney Shanghai basically blamed the supply chain, but everybody was on the hunt for this little fox. And right now in the world, everybody is looking for something. And surprisingly, when Jesus Christ was born, there were very few people looking for him to be born. In fact, when we look at the events of Christmas, other than Simeon, who we'll talk about in a moment, really there was this one group of people who stood out who were really looking for the Christ child, and that is the Magi or the wise men. And you might remember Simeon. Simeon was this guy who had always wanted to see the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit had come to him and said, Simeon, you're going to get to see the Christ child. You're going to get to see this, the, the Messiah before you die. And after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, after eight days, bring the infant Christ child to the temple, as was the custom of the time. And there is Simeon in the temple, and he gets to hold the baby Jesus in his hands and to bless Jesus. But other than Simeon, really, you know, before God makes his, all of his angelic announcements to everyone, only the wise men are looking for the Christ child. 
And what's so fascinating about the wise men to me is that basically they're pagan stargazers. They're a combination of people who were priests and also these astrologists, and they would look to the stars and make all of these predictions, and they had incredible influence both politically and religiously in the land of Persia. In fact, if we were to think about what their influence level is in comparison to the United States, you could probably compare it to something like Jerome Powell, uh, who's the Fed chair. You know, when Jerome Powell starts talking about interest rates, you know, going one way or the other, is it going to be 25 basis points? Or is it going to be 50? Or is it going to be 75? I mean, everybody's listening and the stock market goes one way or, or the other. And these foreign stargazers had similar levels of influence in Persia. But they would seem like the least likely candidates to be looking for the baby Jesus and to celebrate his birth. I mean, think about Simeon for a moment. At least he was a devout Jew. He had a heart for the salvation of Israel, but these wise men who we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 2 in verses 1 through 12, they went on a great, great journey, about a thousand miles, uh, really it was just one step in their heart though, to see the Christ child, and they're like the least likely people to seem to do so. And from their story today in Matthew 2, God's word begs us, just begs us to ask some important questions about the journey that God wants us all to go on this Christmas. And so would you stand with me? We're going to read God's word today. And by the way, if you're a guest with us, uh, we always put the scriptures on the screen and there are Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. Also, when you come in, just before you come inside the worship center, there's a QR code. We have some on the walls too. If you want to uh, just scan in the notes for today and also all the Bible verses and there are some discussion questions if you want to talk about what we learned today with some friends. Uh, by the way, man, wasn't the Praise Kids thing great last Sunday? Oh, that was phenomenal. Yeah, we give the Lord a hand on that. That was amazing. I watched online. I was actually moving our stuff from Northern California to Ventura, amen, which is a really, really good thing. But here we are today in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. This is what God's Word says to us. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, go and search diligently for the child. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And even as I read that, I think of all the places we'll be on our way to in the next two weeks, weeks leading up to celebrating the birth of Christ. And the passage finishes, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. And why don't you say that last part with me out loud? With exceedingly great joy. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now rejoicing. Thank you that we are in your very presence. 
thinking that we get to worship you through your living word right now and asking you to work a wonder in us. We ask you to help us to see you more clearly by looking to you right now. I thank you, Jesus, for each person in this room, everybody listening online, and we are grateful to be together today. And thank you for the wearing, Lord. We appreciate that too. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. You know, whenever you read God's word, one of the things that you can sometimes do to see the keys to the heart of a passage that you're reading is to look for repeated things and to look for surprises or surprise endings. And the surprise in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 is fairly easy to see because it's the word see, and it's repeated four times. Four times in this biblical account, we are going to be told that the magi or the wise men see when no one else around them seems to be seeing anything. And first, they're going to see the star. Then they're going to see the star and they're going to follow it. Then they're going to see the star and how it hovers right over where the Christ child is. And then at the very end of all these events, they're going to actually see the Christ child and worship him. And these wise men are repeatedly seen while no one else really seems to be looking. And it's a little bit surprising when you think about it because, you know, why weren't the scribes and the Pharisees, all the religious leaders of Jerusalem, looking for the Christ child. I mean, they knew all of the Old Testament prophecies. They knew the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, which was really only six miles from the Jerusalem temple. And these wise men, they come over a thousand miles on the journey that they're on. And they knew enough to tell Herod about the prophecy of the Messiah coming. And then there was Herod himself. He's the king over the region, and when there's a prophecy about someone coming with an authority that rivals even your own authority, you'd think he, has, he would have lots of reasons to be on the hunt uh, for this Messiah who was going to come. And you would think even maybe he would delegate it to someone and put someone on like baby patrol or something like that, or Messiah patrol, but he wasn't even looking, and he's not even aware until the wise men show up. And yet the wise men, who really have nothing to gain and nothing to lose from a king being born in Israel, they're the ones who in this time, they're already trusting Jesus to be everything that he is for every one of us. And they see who Jesus is and they're willing to take this great journey to go find him. Are you looking for God to take you on a journey toward him this Christmas? Are you looking for God to take you closer to him and to help you to see him a little bit better. And we might be looking for a lot of things this Christmas. We might be looking for like a little fluffy fox toy for somebody. There's lots of things that we're looking for, but are we looking for God to lead us on a journey towards him? Because the Magi knew God was at work, and as religious leaders in Babylon, they would have been at least familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures. They would have heard Balaam's prophecy and some of the other Old Testament prophecies that talk about this Messiah to come. In places like Numbers chapter four, uh, 24, verse 17, Balaam's prophecy that says, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So they're looking. And so when they see the star, they knew that something amazing was happening, and they don't hesitate, they go after it. Because actually looking 
is what separates them from everybody else around them at the time. And they're looking and trusting God to lead them to his very presence. And they're trusting God to take them on a journey to Christmas himself. So let's look at some important questions from this passage. Uh, One of the questions that I see jumping out is this. Are you looking for God to lead you on a journey to the king this Christmas? To see that Jesus is our spiritual king in a greater way than maybe we have before. Verse 1 says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now if we're using the biblical cue, if you will, of seeing in this passage, the first thing that the wise men are wanting to see is to see Jesus as their spiritual king. And there's actually a lot of irony in these pagan stargazers coming from Persia, coming to the land of Judea, and walking up to Herod, who is the king over the region, and basically saying, hey, Herod, king of Judea, Where's the real king of the Jews? Because we've been on a really long journey looking for him. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. When Herod the king, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Yeah, you bet he was troubled when he, when he heard that. I mean, how would you feel if you're like, hey, king, where's the real king of Israel? And the Bible continues, and all Jerusalem was troubled with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, I want you to imagine that you're in Jerusalem while this is all going on, and you're living your normal day, your normal life, and all of a sudden, you see this dust cloud coming towards Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, this huge entourage, this foreign group of people come riding in on this big parade of camels, and here are these wise men from afar, these magi from afar, and there is Herod, and he is feeling pretty secure in his authority, pretty secure in his leadership. He's the king of his castle and the king of his life, just like most of us feel like we are most of the time. And then he hears about these wise men entering Jerusalem, and he calls them to him, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So basically, Herod calls the wise men to him, and he sends them out on a recon mission. He's like, I want you to go out there, find out where this this Messiah is, this baby king, and I want you to bring back the news to me. And by the way, uh, this is Herod the Great. There's a lot of Herods in the Bible, so it's really easy to mess them up and mix them up from one from the other. Herod the Great is king over Judea at this time. He's been king for 40 years in this region. And he is known as Herod the Great because he had done all of these great architectural wonders all over the region, you know, just these amazing things just to kind of declare his kingship. And he's also called Herod the Great because he was great politically. In fact, in a region that was fraught with conflict and war, there was actually a seeming peace that had come over the land because he ruled with an iron fist. And it was a peace that was actually brought about by cruelty and by oppression. But he also had something else that was great about him. He had a great fear. And he had a great fear that someone would usurp his throne. In fact, he was so paranoid about someone taking over his throne that he basically murdered anybody close to him who could. 
And so he murdered his mom. He murdered his wife. He murdered three of his four sons. You think you have family issues at Christmas time? Be glad you're not in Herod's family. But this is the crazy thing about Herod. For all of his paranoia, for all of his cruelty, he got it. He absolutely understood it. That you can't be king over your own life and have Jesus be the Lord of your life at the same time. And he knew that it was an all or nothing deal. And he decided it was a nothing deal for him. And he went after Jesus with everything, trying to destroy him. And so he tells the wise men, yeah, I really want to worship this, this baby king, so tell me where he is. And we read in verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. Are you looking for God? to lead you to see Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in a greater way this Christmas. Because there is no better path to walk and no better place to be in life than to have Jesus be securely on the throne of our life. In fact, I wonder if this Christmas, if God were to take you on a journey to help you to see more clearly if there was someone or something that you were, in a sense, placing on the throne of your life over and before him. I I wonder what that journey would look like. And, And I wonder if God were to take us on a path to pursue our whole heart, what it is he would use to help us to see that having him have our whole heart is better than anything else. And the reason I'm so fascinated by that, when it, when, it was, when it comes to the wise men, this is just the mercy of God. You see, with the wise men, God actually uses the thing that they worship most, a star, to lead them to his very presence. And it makes me wonder what God is using in each one of our lives right now to lead us to have whole hearts, to be able to live in the fullness of his presence. And they went all the way to show their worship. It was over a thousand miles, but it was really just one step in their heart. There was no middle ground. They were all in. Their their actions show it. And later, they'll even defy Herod the king and not tell him where the baby Jesus is to, to protect the infant king of kings. Another important question to ask from the passage is, are you looking for God to lead you on a journey of expectation? Because the journey these magi were on was leading them to the heart of God's answer for redemption, for the problem of sin that had overtaken the world of salvation through Jesus Christ. And to be looking with expectation this Christmas, you know, you may be here today, you might be a Christ follower, you might be discovering what it means to know Jesus, and maybe God is just wanting you to see him a little bit more clearly. To have you this Christmas as you walk to celebrating his birth, to be living with an expectancy of what he wants to do in your life, in the lives right around you, and even in the world around where we are. Because verse 9 says this, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And so one day, they're out watching the stars, and they see this star that is so brilliant, that is so bright. The only 
conclusion they can come to is that Jesus has been born. I I want us to wrestle with the implications of that. They read the stars. That's what they do. And yet somehow, as they're looking at the stars, they realize that God is up to something so much more powerfully. Somehow, they had learned the Hebrew prophecy about the Messiah. There's actually a pastor by the name of Kent Edwards, and he has a theory on how this all came about. And he says, you know, it's interesting because we know from history and we know from biblical history that about 600 years before the time of Jesus' birth, the prophet Daniel was in that region of the world in Persia and Babylon. And Pastor Edwards suspects that, as we know from the Bible, Daniel was put in charge of all the wise men of the region for a season of time. And he says, you know, I'm pretty sure that Daniel would have taught them some biblical theology. And I'm pretty sure that Daniel would have taught them about the one true God and about this prophecy of this Messiah to come who was going to take on the sins of the world for us and invite us into life with him. And so suddenly in an instant when these magi saw the star, they put it together and they realized all that they've been taught for 600 years and for all those centuries. And without hesitation, they go in pursuit to worship the Messiah. No hesitation. They go over a thousand miles on stinky, smelly camels in some of the worst country imaginable to one of the least known places in the region with a heart of expectation along the way to find a savior born in a stable from a peasant virgin by a miracle of God in the least likely of place, in the roughest of buildings, a savior who would live a life of humility and love people who had the disease of leprosy and everyone around and would wash his disciples' feet and befriend little children and hang out with the riffraff and those who were sinners and whose lives were broken and finally submit to a crucifixion by a foreign power to pay a debt in our place before a holy and loving God that we couldn't pay. And I want you to think about their devotion for a moment. Because it's not like they're just stopping at Rite Aid on the way to a baby shower, all right? I mean, really. They are showing wholehearted devotion and worship. They traveled over a thousand miles with expectation to worship him. They were looking with expectation. Are you looking with expectation right now of what God wants to do for us. That means following his agenda this Christmas. That means realizing we're on a journey where he is leading us. It means looking around us and seeing where God is on the move and looking for opportunities that God dishes up every day to love people in the name of Jesus Christ and to share the hope that we have in him and build relationships where we just love people around us. You know, a moment ago, uh, Lindsay shared how as we leave here today, we're going to be handing out invitations for our Christmas Eve services. And we have them in stacks of five to ten. It was kind of random while they were being put together. It's a little bit unlike the lottery. You won't know whether you get five or ten, so whichever one you get on the way out. But man, man, what an opportunity. God has strategically placed every one of us in the lives of people to love them. 
and to share with them the hope of Jesus Christ. And I want you to imagine with me a moment Christmas Eve, because it's just a few days away, really, just two weeks away. And I want you to imagine the room you're in right now. And I want you to imagine a room filled with people that without your invitation will never get to experience a grace-filled community. And I want you to imagine a room filled with people who would never ordinarily walk or grace the doors of a church who desperately need to hear from you and from a church family the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ and the thrill of that hope. And I want you to imagine a room filled with people who have not been to church since COVID but come that day or that night because of your invitation that God is using as he's bringing them back into fellowship with him and back into fellowship with his church. And I want you to imagine how excited we will all be, not because church is packed, but because heaven is packed, amen? You know Jesus is the only one who can change a heart takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? And yet, there are things that God asks us to do because they're the only things that we can do. Because he's placed us in someone's life as a light in his name. And so I just want to ask you, church family, are you with me this Christmas? To invite some friends and some neighbors and some family to come and celebrate Christmas Eve. Can I just hear a yes from you? In fact, I need to hear it so loud, I'm actually going to ask you to stand up for a moment, okay? Would you stand up with me? Because what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to deputize you <laughs> as ambassadors of the thrill of hope this Christmas Eve, okay? You ready for this? This is really serious. This is really important, okay? How often do you get to stand up in the middle of a message, all right? So I'm going to deputize you, so you're going to need to raise your right hands, raise your right hands, all right? Okay, I'm going to have you repeat after me loud and proud, all right? First of all, you're going to say this. Repeat this. As God is my witness, I, and then state your name. No, no, no. You say your name. You don't say state your name. You say your name. I'm going to give you another run at that, all right? I, and then you say your name. I do solemnly swear with a double dog pinky swear to hand out invitations for Christmas Eve. And you don't need to say this, but we're going to keep going in a minute. You can do this with God's help. Amen. He's going to go before you. Now, we're going to keep going. I am going to do something wildly generous and wildly kind. And then I'm going to hand out this invitation. Amen, encounter? Please be seated. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to make sure that you fully understand what you swore to just now, okay? Because you are sworn in as deputized, you know, ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ this Christmas Eve. And this means that if one of your neighbors gives you the worst, and I mean the worst tasting fruitcake at Christmas possible. How many of you like fruitcake at Christmas? Just curious. All right, yeah, only one in 10 fruitcake are good at Christmas. I, some of them are delicious, but it's only one in 10. But even if your neighbor gives you like the worst tasting fruitcake possible, you're still going to invite them to Christmas Eve 
because you love them, all right? And this means that when you go out to dinner between now and Christmas Eve, and your server has served you your meal, no matter how good of a job they've done serving you that night, you are going to give them the biggest the most generous, the most wild tip possible, and then you're going to leave them an invitation. And if you leave them a small tip, I want you to invite them to a different church, all right? <laughs> now, while we're talking about expectation, and I'm totally off track at this point, I just want to ask you to be praying about something, and I shared it a few weeks ago, and we shared it as a church family to be praying about. It's our end-of-the-year giving campaign that we're calling Reset, because we're inviting you to pray that God is going to use this Christmas season to reset our church financially. Because we want to end the year financially strong so we can begin the year ministry strong. And the essence of what we're praying for is that God would multiply his generosity through our church family by about three times what normally comes in the month of December. And yet we're going to praise God for whatever he does. Amen. And we're just asking you to pray about how you may, might be a part. And the, the cool thing is, the easy thing to be about being a part is all you got to do is give more than what you've given before, and you're a part of it, all right? And we're just going to ask the Lord how he wants to lead each of us in that. And when we get into January, I'm going to come to you as your lead pastor, and I'm going to share you exactly what God did through all of you. And I know we're going to be rejoicing in what the Lord has done, because he is good. Amen? Looking forward to what the Lord has ahead. And when we walk with the expectation of God being at work, a star may not be literally shining over us. But when we walk in expectation of who Jesus Christ is at work in the, round, the world around us, we shine for him and to his glory. And Herod and the religious leaders and the people of Israel were not looking. No one was looking, but these stargazers were looking with expectation. Are you... Looking for expectation for what God wants to do around you and in you this Christmas. The next important question is, are you looking for God to lead you on a journey of joy? There is no better medicine than the joy of God in our life. There's no better medicine. And it, whenever we get our minds and our hearts focused on all the other, away from all the other things in our life, we get it focused on God, all of a sudden we realize that God really is bigger than all of our circumstances. And even in the midst of our circumstances, no matter how difficult they may be, that Jesus Christ is right there with us. And verse 10 says it so powerfully, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Exceedingly with great joy. You can always rejoice with God anytime, anywhere. You can rejoice alone or you can rejoice with others. Amen? Can I hear an amen to that? Doesn't matter. But there's something extra powerful when we rejoice together and together declare how great God is. And we rejoice in what he has done and what he is doing right around us today, and what he is going to do in the future. And rejoicing in Christ causes us to look at him and see his character, his grace, his love, his power, his holiness. And notice verse 10 says, they rejoiced, and what's the word? What does it say? How? How did they rejoice? Exceedingly. That is some good rejoicing, right? And then it says, they rejoiced exceedingly with what kind of joy? Great joy exceedingly great joy. Now, what does that look like? Well, I, I, I want to tell you, I rejoiced with exceedingly great joy last Sunday afternoon. 
because the Niners beat the Dolphins. And I'm just telling you, it, it was kind of a significant game because their standings were pretty close to each other. So, and then Garoppolo, who's like the second string quarterback, gets injured in the opening moments, like breaks his foot or something. So they put in the third string quarterback, Purdy. Now you just got to know this about Purdy. Purdy was the very last person to be chosen in the 2022 NFL draft. So this is a little bit like elementary school when everybody's picking teams, right? And you're the last one picked to be picked on a team. And yet he took them to a victory. And so I got to tell you, I, I was rejoicing exceedingly. And by the way, I may not have been rejoicing as loud on Thursday night, but I did think about all my Rams fan friends, all right? When the Rams beat the Raiders, I mean, they just pulled it out in the end, and there was some exceedingly great and awesome joy for the Rams fans at the end of that game, everybody who hung in there. And yet, the joy of a sports team winning a game is nothing compared to the joy of following Jesus Christ and praising him and worshiping him. And God, between now and Christmas morning, is going to give you opportunities to rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Are you looking for them and grabbing on to them? And if you're a guest today and you were invited by a friend or a family member, I just want you to know there's someone in church today who's rejoicing with exceedingly great joy because you showed up. And if this is your first time here, or maybe your second or third time here, or you haven't been here in a long time, I just want you to know that God is actually rejoicing over you because you've taken a step of faith to draw closer to him and maybe even discover who he is as your savior. And look at how the passage closes. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Herod's long arm of security forces pretty much covered all of the known routes out of the region. But somehow, the wise men secretly and very stealthily leave without any of Herod's forces knowing they're leaving so that they wouldn't have to tell him where the Christ child was. And their sacrifice through their gifts and through the fact that they traveled over a thousand miles on those stinky camels all the way to Bethlehem. And then they listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit and didn't tell King Herod about the infant Messiah and where he was born tells us It shows us this profound testimony that they worship Jesus as their Savior. And their gifts, they tell us even more. Because gold is a gift fitting for a king. Frankincense, it's an incense used by priests. And myrrh was a spice used with embalming people who had died, which seems like a strange gift to give to a baby at a baby shower. Until you put it all together and you realize that they were worshiping Jesus as their king, as their priest, and as their savior, who would one day die for their sins and rise again and invite the world into life with him. And they are looking forward in faith to what Jesus would do on the cross for you and for me and for them. Are you looking for God to take you on a journey this Christmas to know and see the King of Kings 
and the Lord of Lords a little bit more clearly with expectation and some joy. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, it's so good to be together as your church at Encounter. And Lord, we just confess to you that sometimes in the midst of the busyness of life, we can let things just kind of become more important than you. Let things begin to slip into that throne that holds our life, that, that place that we only want you to have as our leader who we love as our Savior. And so we give that to you today, Lord. And we ask that this Christmas season that we would see you more clearly, that we would live with expectation that you are at work in us and around us and in your world. And Lord, we just pray for opportunities to be a light. We, we pray ahead of time, Lord, we, we joke about handing out invitations, but we just ask you to go before us into the community to so many people we're going to rub shoulders with in these coming weeks that need you. And we pray that you'd give us boldness and love to just let them know how much you love them, Lord, and how much we care about them as well. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people as they leave today. In Jesus' name, amen.